0: All right, so it's a pretty rough start <laughs> with uh, when you when we uh, talk about that, but it reminds us that we're um, you know this we're, we're this is not just um, this is not merely uh, a, a, an intellectual exercise that we're dealing with here, right? So uh, now, what are some of the aspects of that video that stand out to you in terms of maybe how they hold it, how they structured it? Yeah, it started off really noble, right? So it starts off with noble aims, noble words, right? And, and then what happens as the video progresses. Yeah, and, and it's not necessarily that this is what all war leads to, but it, can, it is what war can lead to, right? That, that which begins with a noble cause. Like, let's reaffirm the nobility of the German people. How did that work out? Well didn't quite go so well, right? For for the world. Right? So it it, it starts off with a noble cause.
1: It sounded yeah. good in the beginning is what you're saying. Yes. It sounded good. Yeah. You know, the lift up the motherland, the, the history, the, all that yeah. stuff. But war, war is never without pain.
0: Yeah. And so, and so, and then you come to that, also you come to that line in there, they said, by any means necessary, right? And, and it's like, do we truly mean that? Is that just a turn of phrase or is that actually what is meant? Because if that's what is meant, then what, what, what do we mean by any means? Do we really mean any means necessary or what are the limits? And if there are limits, what are those limits? And so, um, and so, and by the way, happy Mother's Day. So, so this is, this is the best best Mother's Day Sunday school we've ever had. So, let's talk about war. So, so this is um, but this is very important for um, nations and leaders, especially who make these decisions, to take these things seriously. Because these decisions have real consequences. And it doesn't mean, like we talked about last week, that there, that there can't be civilian casualties. Um, but it does mean that those need to be taken into account and taken seriously. And it, that it's not just kill them all, let God sort them out. That kind of attitude. So, all right. So, uh, so the two main prongs of just conduct, we've talked about one of them already, right? Discrimination. And so today, uh, we are going to be talking about Uh, proportionality now what part what is what is the word even before we get into an actual definition of it what does the word proportionality what can you suss out from even that word itself that may indicate what we're talking about portion portion right yeah yeah proportion that proportion right um, yeah the portion uh, you know you know if you're separating it out you know it's you know separate off the pro as the prefix and then portion and so and so it's the pro essentially for like the portion for the proportion right the proportion for something right the amount of something we're going to use the proportionality and um and so, uh, so before we get into prop- uh, proportionality, it's important to uh, go back because the, these two things go together, and they're going to and they're going to bleed into each other as well. Um, discrimination proportionality in this, uh, in this, you'll see that they'll co- cover. We will revisit some themes and some even issues that we talked about last week. Uh, as we get into this because these concepts are obviously related because they both fall under just conduct. And so um, discrimination is about the question of who and what is and is not a legitimate target in just war. And, um, and so uh, now um, uh, what were some examples of, of, of that we said were legitimate targets? Yeah, combatants. Guys in uniforms with guns, you know, like that they're, you know, obviously the soldiers. What are, what about, uh, what about other, like, um, structures or buildings? We talked
1: about places that are military facilities or places that build things. Not always, but places that build things. for Yeah, munitions factories
0: that are uh, constructing jet fighters. Like, these are all, like, if they're making the means of war as a means of production, then they are a legitimate target. In war, and so uh, and so the, these are these are um, these are legitimate. Uh, and what are some uh, obvious illegitimate targets in war, or include for whether whether people or structures? Schools,
1: hospitals.
0: Schools, hospitals. Yeah. Civilians, uh, those, civilians
1: generally.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Civilians generally. yeah, speaking. We know that it gets complicated. Well, actually, um, I think we might actually talk a little bit about terrorism today. If I remember, right? Um, but um, but if we 're just talking about purely basic concepts right we 're gonna if if the world was nice and clean and neat <laughs> right um, but these these are the areas you would avoid and these are the structures you would go after and then these are the people that you would legitimately target and these are the people you clearly um, uh, um, would would avoid targeting and um, but we also talked about how um uh it, uh how i 'm gonna go ahead and skip forward here uh Talked about biblical roots. Um, We talked about how um, one may not intentionally kill uh, um, non-combatants, right? That you, like, if you, if there's, if there's a school with a bunch of children in it, you can't intentionally bomb it just to freak your opponent out, your enemy out, like this. Like, this will really demoralize them if we kill all these, uh, you know, kill them, uh, kill, uh, kill their children. Like, that's not a legitimate target in war. That is unacceptable. If you're going to do a just war, uh, if you're just in total war mode and you just want to, you know, destroy your opponent, then you may do that, but you're doing it in an immoral and unjust way. So um, now, uh, so uh, we talked about, we talked about how intentional non-combatant deaths are murder, um, intentional, not unintentional. Intentional non-combatant deaths are murder, and so if we're intentionally targeting civilians, that is murder. We uh, asked the question and answered it. Can non-combatants be unintentionally killed in war? The answer is yes, yes. yes they can. Um, you can have foreseeable civilian casualties in a military operation. You do your best to minimize those, but if it is a necessary, uh, um, a necessary operation to help to next step, to help bring about an end to the conflict, then it is, then, then it is not murder. Um, uh, when you have um, when you have uh, um, non-combatants unintentionally killed, um, so let's see here. So we said yes. Um, non-combatant deaths can be unintentional but foreseeable, and uh, we included by saying it is a just nation's responsibility not only to protect their people but also enemy non-combatants as best they can do both. Let me. Does that sound easy or difficult? Very difficult? It is very difficult. Because we don't always fight people who play by the same rules. Right? It doesn't mean the enemy is going to try to do the same for us. Uh, but if we are actually saying we are going to do a just war. Um, and so, um, and I find this interesting because um, think about this. So, what are all the reasons that you've heard from Russia that they have gone to war against Ukraine? What are some of the reasons? I'm not saying they're true, but what are the reasons? Is that, does anyone know of any reasons that Russia has given as to why they are invading Ukraine? They're accusing the Ukrainians of being fascists. Yeah. Fascists, yes. Uh, drug-addled Nazis. Uh, um, so, with the Jewish president, for some reason, they're they're very sneaky. <laughs> um, they're very sneaky Nazis. So, um, and uh, uh, yeah, so there's uh, so there's that. Um, also reclaiming. Yeah. Like-
1: uh, the sure, land, man,
0: uh, as that's was clear. part of the original uh, heritage of Russia, right?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh, but it's interesting: is why can't Putin just say, "Cause I want it"? Like, why can't he just publicly say, "Cause I want it," and it's mine, and it's mine now, and I want it? The, the, didn't 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 empires do that before? Yeah. They just saw a choice piece of land. Hey, they got a bunch of agriculture. They got a lot of crops. Hey, I mean, Rome did it with Egypt. So, yes. like, hey, why not just take it? Like, isn't it interesting, though? Just observe it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it sounds
1: like a brat. Does he sell yeah. well to the world? Well,
0: yeah, it's, but it's, isn't is it
1: interesting, though? It causes you problems with other people. You're not doing it because you care. And you would do that, but only for the consequences with other yes. parties who aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But it, but kind of like it's, if no one was watching. Oh, you know, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, but yeah, he's trying to create, in that situation, create a certain uh, a perception with his home folks back home that are not seeing what's happening in the war. So he has yeah. to have a story out there that they'll say, well, yeah, he's trying to do good. Yeah,
0: way. it's very control state media that's very putting a very specific... Narrative before the Russian people, and then, um, and then all. But isn't it interesting though that even for his own people, and for the international world, he, uh, that he feels compelled to put it, put out these reasons that we all know he's lying about, or some of which he may believe delusionally. But, uh, but, uh, but that he, but that they're putting out these reasons um, because they they want to be seen as having a just war.
1: Yeah.
0: And so they feel like they feel compelled to be able to put these reasons out and they don't feel like, well, I'm just going to say because I like it and I want it and it's ours now. Right. Because that's what they used to do. <laughs> and so um, and, and so but it, I just like notice the notice how there's that compelled that compulsion um, for even um, a, a country that is engaged in a clearly unjust war um, to pretend as though they are in a just conflict. So just notice that just by observation that comp- that compulsion that is there to be able to publicly put that out there so let's go ahead and move uh, we we'll move forward so we talked about we went through this we won't go through this list again, but we talked about different combatants and this is where it got real muddy you know where it got really confusing we weren't sure because these questions get really confusing they get really muddy about who actually is a combatant and it's um uh, and then and then we also Uh, And then we concluded here, saying, "Discriminate as much as you can afford to, with concern for your nation's combatants and non-combatants, as well as enemy non-combatants." Now, that's what we call pretty gray, (laughs) right? That's not clear, right? It's and because it's not clear, because it's really, really hard. Uh, And so, like I said, it depends on the stakes. You know, um, we talked about the difference last week. We talked about how you know we have we have there certain we have certain we have certain stakes, certain things that have compelled us to send our military overseas uh, to Afghanistan, to uh, to Iraq, to different uh, to these different uh, places across the world. But the stakes are very different than say the stakes that the Ukrainian people are facing with the invasion of Russia, right? Um, even in World War II, we never had. Um, uh, uh, aside from Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, we never had any enemy with boots on the ground in our own country, right? And so that's and so that's uh, but here, so the stakes, even though they were high, they still were not as high as they were say in England, where Churchill's come and saying, "They may come for us, and we will die every, to the last man, and we will fight them at every part of the island." Like I mean, like you know, FDR wasn't making that speech. Because um, because we went out as a as a defensive measure, we went offensively out to Japan and out to Europe, right? To keep them from coming, and so uh, and so it depends on the stakes and the acceptable level of risk uh, um, uh, for um, that's a type of there, but uh, for our forces and for uh, non combatants, and so. Um, And so as the stakes get higher, the level of risk we're willing to engage in goes higher as well. And uh, and so but certain lines should never be crossed. We should never intentionally target civilians. Uh, And then the last one last line here is love your neighbor as yourself. It still governs how we operate in war. Uh, as believers and military personnel and as civilians who uh, support the war effort. So now let's get into proportionality. So we already identified a bit of what the word is. And so um, essentially it's the amount of force that may be brought to bear against an enemy in the prosecution of a just war. Right. So uh, Remember, you can have just conduct but unless you have just cause, it's still an unjust war. Right, so just because you use the right amount of force to go take your neighbor's stuff does not give you does not make you right. You're like, well, I didn't kill him. They're like, well, you took his stuff. Like, that's not okay. Right. So, um, so that's that that and so just cause matters. And this is why what I mean by we don't want to just use just war theory as a checklist. And so, well, well, we checked off half the boxes, you know, but our just cause wasn't there. <laughs> like, it's, that doesn't work. So, um, and so this, but we're talking about the amount of force and here's a key question to think about what is necessary to attack, to attain the end, just end of the war. It's not just about the weapons we choose. We'll talk about that in a moment, but it's also the amount, the, the places where we will attack, how far into the country do we go? Which cities do we go to? What military bases do we take out? What are the strategic targets? How far do we go in terms of the places we go and the power that we bring to bear in those cities? So uh, going back to the uh, the original, Sun Tzu, not a reliever, of course, uh, but, uh, but wrote the original book on war. And uh, said, "In the practical art of war, the best thing of all is to take the enemy's country whole and intact. To shatter and destroy is not so good." Sun Tzu was good with understatement, right? <laughs> but 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 that was his thing. He went. He was a master of war, but he he knew the best thing was not to utterly destroy a city because what good is that for anybody? It just gives you a big you you won a pile of rubble. Yep. Good for you. Enjoy. You know, it's like it's much better to take the city intact, which also means he also talked about uh, building a golden bridge for your enemy to escape. You know, so that way you can get your enemy out of there and you can take the territory. And now you get the city. Right. And so um, and so uh, and so even now you hear that kind of talk, even with Ukraine and Russia. Where they're saying, uh, what's the off ramp for Putin? We have moved from bridges to off ramps. <laughs> but 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 what's the golden bridge for Putin? How can he back out of this in a way that can save life and bring this war to an end and and still restore the territory to the Ukraine. How can, you know, but to think about that for your enemy in order to minimize the bloodshed. But let's go, let's talk about weapons. So, um, what types of, uh, well, actually, let me get, uh, yeah, what, so I'm going to give you a statement and then I want us to come up with some examples of weapons that we think match this, so we're talking about proportionality. Uh, so uh, the weapons that we ought not to use unless the highest stakes are are there, and even then, in some cases, never. Um, but uh, um, are it, are weapons that are naturally indiscriminate, unnecessarily cruel, or, ju- or or unjust. And so I want to take unjust off because that's more of a concept. But what weapons can you come to mind that would be, um, by their very design, indiscriminate, unable to discriminate, or unnecessarily cruel? So, atomic weapons. Yep. Chemical. Yep. Atomic. Yeah. Chemical.
1: You know, the gas that was used in World War One. What was that? Mustard gas. Yeah. you know, it's, yep. it, it's
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, um...
1: Biological.
0: Biological, yep. Yeah, infecting with viruses that uh, that would kill. I guess
1: like carpet bombing or just bomb everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Napalm. So even type napalm, yeah, that type of bombing. So napalm. Now, um... Now, in World War II, we did a lot of carpet or fire bombing. Um, uh, um, what is the advantage of fire bombing as opposed to. What might be the advantage uh, of, of, of fire or carpet bombing a place as opposed to um, specific bombs that you're dropping individually? Huh? Yeah, how accurate do you have to be? Right, yeah, 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 Yeah. and that's that was a problem because because when they were dropping bombs in World War II and World War I, what they're they're dropping them manually and so they're just guessing and they miss their targets all the time and so um, and so what they switched and so they switched strategy especially in World War II when it came to Japan Um, they said, look, uh, we just we're gonna switch to firebombing. And so they started. And so they started firebombing because the bombing was so inaccurate. And so now, did we have laser-guided targeting systems? No. 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 So this was what we had to offer. And how high were the stakes?
1: Extremely.
0: Extremely. This was World War II, right? These are. These were extremely high. So the stakes are so high, and so the risk that we were willing to take uh, was much higher. And so, um, but. It is more naturally indiscriminate. What about um, mines? Mines.
1: Mines? Like either land or sea. Yeah.
0: yeah, land or sea. I mean, there's parts of Europe where they still have mines buried in the ground. They just got the section marked off because they can't use the land because, uh, you know, it, it's because it, you'll die, right? Because you'll, you'll get blown up because you don't know where they are. And that's, that's the whole thing. The whole idea of a weapon that's indiscriminate is that it can't target, and so it can't tell the difference between a combatant and a non-combatant. And so, uh, and so, they, and there's, and they still have some mines that are still floating around the ocean. They they turn up every once in a while. Thankfully, a lot of them are duds now, <laughs> but it's been long enough that they've finally gone offline. Uh, but um, uh, but the they they're still out there, and some of them are still potent. You know, you don't know if they're going to go off or not. They're highly unstable. So the yes
1: free, because you—that's you know, the incriminating. Keeps the the people you're fighting from coming back
0: in, even though you left. Yeah. With
1: you know you you leave your minds. that's why you can't booby trap your back door. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Yeah. You yeah.
0: Your neighbor, or your
1: cat or your wife, or somebody. <laughs> exactly. Mhm. Yeah.
0: There was a true story about a guy who um, kept getting his mailbox knocked down by teenagers, so he filled the mailbox with cement. And a teacher came by, hit with a bat, bat, bat bashed back, and hit the kid, and the kid ended up in the hospital. Got him in jail, and um, and it's like, it's like, and it's like, and you're just kind of like, and and I'm torn about that because I'm like, I got a lot of sympathy for that dude in his mailbox and these punk teenagers, and 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 if he hadn't been swinging the bat, he hadn't brought him himself. But the case was, it was overkill. You laid a trap for someone, and they physically harmed themselves. As a result of it, and so, um, and so, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, but it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, oh man. So, um, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, yeah, and also, uh, also overkill. So, um, uh, also, overkill. so um, uh, also overkill. So there was, um, I know, I know of a tanker um, who he's he's out, and this, um, and this was. Um, Early two thousands uh, and uh, kind of Afghanistan and so and uh, and so he's in one of these big you know F one Abram tanks and so um, and so and there's guys that come in, they're coming there's some guy there's this one guy in particular is coming he's running at running at the tank and, and so he gets on this on the vision you know the the camera and he looks at the guy and the guy's wearing a vest and he's like okay this guy's gonna blow himself up all right so um uh and so well the tank has um, three Guns on them. and so um, the smallest caliber gun a tank has is a 50 caliber. And so, and so he turns on the 50 cal, and he targets the guy and hits the button, and it goes. He accidentally fired the main cannon, which is a depleted uranium shell, which um, costs several hundred thousand a piece. Number one. And also, but also he just fired that at a single human being. This is something you fire at structures, at tanks, at other things. And I mean, uh, and so, and the Geneva Convention requires if you use above a certain caliber weapon upon an enemy that you have to go catalog it and note it. And so they went out and they couldn't find his remains uh, because the guy had been vaporized by it. And so like, so, so this is, you know, and that was unintentional. Uh, that was unintentional. The guy was a suicide bomber. The guy wasn't going to make it anyway, no matter what he did. And a 50 cal would have definitely killed him. Uh, but, uh, but still, it's one of those things where even we see those regulations that we even follow there, where the, the type of gun you use is, uh, is important depending on what enemy you're dealing with. And so it's uh, for practical resources and also for humane resources. And
1: that's, I mean, that, that changes, So if we're here at home and there's no, there's, no, no, there's no limit for what I would use mm-hmm. personally. Right, so, so it
0: changes when you are at home because because the stakes go much higher. Yeah. Right? So so if if someone's coming at us at our home, the enemy's invading, and we have kind of like a red dawn situation, you know, where, where you have that the you know invade you have an, uh, an invading force coming into your coming into your home, it's like, well that I'm gonna use whatever I can to get that enemy out of here because the stakes are his life or mine, right? And so the stakes don't get any higher than that. And so it's like, and so it goes. It goes from here to here. Um, when you have a tank versus one dude, even with a, even with an explosive vest, you know, that looks like that's that's a different c- scenario. And so it's like the stakes aren't nearly as high, uh, but the stakes are higher. But they're not as it's not like um, invading force coming to my home or someone someone breaking into my house at night that's armed, you know. Then uh, then that's Hi, or even if I don't know they're armed. All right. Well, let's go over to targets. So, um, so yeah. So, it mines, nuclear, biological, chemical weapons—any kind of overkill, even on the combatants. Uh, it's oh, another example. Of this is um, there are certain bombs. Um, I mean, and it, we don't do this, but others do. Um, they'll put. They'll make. They'll, they make these glass-lined bombs. And so, um, and so they explode and they cause uh, shards of glass to go into you. Um, but glass is invisible to x-rays. And so it can't be removed. And so you have to live the rest of your life, if you survive, with, uh, in a lot of pain with uh, glass shards in your body that don't come out. Um, so like this is like that type of stuff. You know, um, the, the Boston Marathon bomb, you know, putting the screws and putting all this stuff. Now that was an terror- act of terrorism. But that is not a legitimate um, you know, weapon to use um, in, um, in, uh, uh, in war uh, with, that we would use because it causes undue, inhumane suffering. Uh, because it just sends a bunch of shrapnel everywhere. And so um, we're not, we don't want to make our enemies suffer. Um, if we're going to kill them, they just, they simply, we simply want to kill them and end their life. So that way we can end the threat and end the war. That's, that's the goal. Not to make them suffer in pain and, and torture them. Um, and so we do not use glass-lined bombs. What,
1: uh, when, in which general, didn't we shoot a missile, at a car, in Iraq or Iran?
0: Yeah, and so in, Af- Af- in Afghanistan, Iran. yeah, that was an anti-terrorism operation with botched intelligence that, where we, we, we used a drone and we hit a car. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And it was, and it was basically, it just had a bunch of civilians in it. So now, it
1: had, yeah. was, it, was there a car which had one of
0: the generals in it? No, I think it was the God. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. You're thinking of, yes. Yeah. Uh, Suleimani. Yeah, that's, that's it. Suleimani. Suleimani. Yeah, yes. Okay, sorry. That's A different scenario, which was, he was a combatant. Okay? He was a terrorist operating in, in Iraq. Um, just outside of Baghdad, and and we and we and we hit his car with a drone, and and so and that guy was a combatant. The type of bomb he used it was unconditional, but it was actually safer for everybody else. It's a mechanical bomb. Just, yeah. It wasn't explosive. It was oh, okay. Gyrating.
1: Some yeah. Yeah. Of thing yeah. And just-
0: Okay. Yeah. It's so, like yeah. And so and, and we're always like that's the thing. It's like we're developing these technologies not to do maximum amount of pain and maximum amount of explosions. We're often designing these technologies to get more precise and to get and to minimize civilian casualties. Like that's one of the philosophies we have in our weapons development. And so um uh, which is which is something that's noble. It's something that's needed uh, because we don't want to just kill civilians willy-nilly. But we do want to take out the bad guys. We do want to take out the uh, enemy combatants. So, um, alright, well let's uh, so let's talk about targets here. Um, so um so this, this and this is where we get into discrimination a bit as well. So, um, uh, and this is kind of and, and so if you're, um so what uh, so what do we think are legitimate targets um uh, for, um, for just war if we're doing a, if we're going towards going at the enemy um, so we already said we already said combatants right combatants we said um, uh, we, um, we also said uh, um, what about um, uh, so facilities that arm or defend combatants okay, anything
1: yeah. You know, that could be a, it could be any type of structure from a tent to a, an elaborate building, but it's where the military guys are are able to more, you
0: know? Um what about religious or cultural sites? Not. Yeah, not unless what?
1: Unless combatants are
0: Yeah, unless unless they're using the arm or house combatants. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then in that case, and even then, so even then we'll hold out. Um, from doing it as long as possible because, you know, we know what happens if you blow up a mosque, right? Um, But we have done stuff like that or we find alternative ways to do it. We'll figure out ways that don't involve it. So what about uh, infrastructure that supports both military and civilians? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, to, and this one is muddy because it's not like, oh, there's a military jeep there, so we can just blow up the port, right? Um, but, uh, but at the same time, if they're taking in goods and services that civilians use and military shipments, well, then it may be a legitimate target. It just honestly just depends on the on the case, on the scenario. So, it just depends on what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, think about um, uh, the Ukrainians flooded, uh, uh, the, uh, a town flooded its own town yeah. Yeah. just to stop the Russian advancement. I mean, think about that. <laughs> like, they, they sacrificed their own town just to stop the Russians. So, um, uh, water purification facilities. Uh, I would say no one left Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Are they primarily feeding into the military structure or, or is they primarily civilian use? Again, it's murky. And you've got to look at the situation. What are the stakes, right? What the stakes are does make a difference. Like you may say, we're not going to, maybe that's the last, that's lowest on the priority right now. We're not going to go for that right now. But then, is it, but then as the stakes raise, we may be willing to add other things to the list as the stakes get higher. Yeah, it's a good point. If you poison the water, yeah. right, and then like, how are you going to put your people there? Like, if you poison the water of a town to kill everybody, well, you want, your citizens aren't going to want to go live there. They got poisoned. You just poisoned all the wells, you know. So, so you know, how is that? How is that? You know, how is that going to help? Rome
1: sent a lot of messages by buying salt into the fields.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and and that was definitely a you know message by example. So. Uh, Let's see here. So we have one, we got another, one more video um, that we're going to watch. Here, and this one's four minutes, and it does not have the same disturbing images, so. Since the beginning. Humans have resorted to violence as a way to settle disagreements. Yet through the ages, people from around the world have tried to limit the brutality of war. It was
2: this humanitarian spirit that led to the first Geneva Convention of 1864 and to the birth of modern international humanitarian law. Setting the basic limits on how wars can be fought, these universal laws of war protect those not fighting, as well as those no longer able to. To do this, a distinction must always be made between who or what may be attacked and who or what must be spared and protected. Most importantly, civilians can never be targeted. To do so is a war crime.
1: They shouted that they were going to kill everyone. I was so scared. I ran to hide in the bush. I heard my mother screaming. I thought I would never see her again.
2: Every possible care must be taken to avoid harming civilians or destroying things essential for their survival. right to receive the help they need. The conditions prisoners lived in never used to bother me. People like him were the reason my brother was dead. He was the enemy and was nothing to me. But then I realized that behind bars, He was out of action, and no longer referred to me and my family. The laws of war prohibit torture and other ill-treatment of detainees, whatever their past. They must be given food and water, and allowed to communicate with loved ones. This preserves their dignity and keeps them alive. save lives, sometimes in the most dangerous conditions. Fighters from both sides were wounded in a deadly battle. We were taking them to the nearest hospital. At the checkpoint, a soldier threatened us to treat his men only. We were running out of time and I was afraid that now all of them were going to die. Medical workers must always be allowed to do their job. ...and the Red Cross or Red Crescent must not be attacked. The sick or wounded have a right to be cared for... ...regardless of whose side they are on. Advances in weapons technology have meant that the rules of war... ...have also had to adapt. Because some weapons and methods of warfare... ...don't distinguish between fighters and civilians limits on their use have been agreed. bullet
0: has been shot. All right, so we only have about a minute or two left here. Um, so this pretty much gives a, uh, you know, that, that video gives a quick summary, which is why we, um, uh, we use it. And so um, so basically, when we, when we talk to the, to the Navy pilots, we, this is what we tell them is that we, we must be better and wiser warriors than our enemies so, we may, uh, so that we may fight with the most restricted discrimination and proportionality possible. And it reminds me of a definition of um, meekness that, uh, that I came across when I was studying the Sermon on the Mount. And that meekness is not, a, it's not about being weak. Meekness is more like a, a sword that is in its sheath. Meekness is a sheath sword. It is power restrained with a purpose. And that, uh, and that, it, and that as, as a country and as Christians, as we think about war, and when we engage war, if we're not pacifists, and we believe that there are times where God would call us to, uh, to um, support a just war, um, then uh, then that means that um, we are also responsible to be restrictive in again in who we are firing at how much how much we, we uh, how much we go and that it's not it's not an we can't simply say well you know uh, we're going to be uh, you know any means necessary um, you know they kill one of our guys we'll take 70 of their civilians out we don't care you know, we'll bomb 70 villages of theirs to teach them a lesson, that kind of thing. It's like we can't go that route because we are called to something uh, better. We are still called to love our neighbor, even if our neighbor is our enemy. Um, but also, what you know, there is life that uh, must be taken in order to bring that war to an end. And so we need to do as much and, Lord willing, no further than is absolutely necessary. So let's stop, let's stop there today. Thank you all.